Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We're in the third week of a series entitled Grow. Uh, We want to say up, but it's an arrow up. And so my prayer and hope is that as you came in, maybe you've been coming for the last few years, when you see that up arrow, you have a better idea of what this series is about because you know that our mandate, our mission here is to point people to Jesus by fostering relationships. And we foster relationships up in and out. And when you see that arrow, I hope that you're like, okay, I know what this series is about. It's about fostering a relationship with God. And, and, and you would be right. It's all about spiritual maturity. So I want you to grab your Bibles, head over to Luke chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. That's where we're going to start this morning. And uh, like I said, this series is all about spiritual maturity. Beginning from the command that Jesus gave us, you must be born again, the idea is that as Christians, we should, uh, our lives, our spiritual maturity should parallel our physical growth. We should always continue growing until we finally reach this place of attaining maturity in Christ. But so many Christians, I think, uh, once they were born, there's this call that they forgot. They, They think it's just about be alive in Christ instead of live in Christ. There's an ongoing process, and we talked several weeks ago about how it's a linear process of growing to become more like Christ every day. Now, where do we get that from? Well, we see in the New Testament, there are actually five Greek words given to us that describe spiritual maturity as a Christian, as we grow in Christ. Now, why do we have four mannequins and there's five words? Well, the reason for that is because that fifth word is actually teleos. It's a, it's a perfected state, a perfected state. It's a state of perfection in Christ. It's, it's something we're not going to reach until we appear before the throne. And Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so that one cannot be attained until that point. And so the only four that we have available to us uh, uh, are these four that we're, we're showing with hikers. We've, we've likened each stage of spiritual maturity to a certain type of hiker. Now, we did that because we were trying to figure out how do we describe this? How do you, how do you explain to everyone what we see in Scripture when it comes to spiritual maturity? And what's an easy way to do that? Well, here in Colorado, we're an outdoor kind of culture. We like to hike. We like to get out. At least most people do. And so we thought, you know what? We'll do it as it relates to hikers. And may, maybe that way, we'll be able to identify where we're at and we'll be able to figure out what our next steps are. And so each one of these steps describes a stage, a stage of spiritual growth that we should be taking. And it, it, it's interesting because it really does correspond to our physical growth. And as we look at these, these stages, I want you to be asking the question all through this series, which state am I in? Like, which hiker do I relate most to? Where am I at? And remember that the goal of this entire series is that you would grow toward maturity in Christ. It's all about you taking steps to grow. 
Now, uh, we've gotten a lot of questions over the last few weeks, and I just want to tell you a couple of things. First of all, uh, it is possible that you can plateau a little bit, like you could, you could enter into a dry season or, or what we'd call the wilderness, right? You're just kind of in this place where it's like you're not as close to God, and you're trying to, to grow to become more like him. And so we do have those stages. So just so you know, that's, that's normal. You will have those sometimes, but the idea is you shouldn't stay there. If you plateaued off or if you just stopped growing altogether, I don't think that's the desired result any more than uh, as a parent having a child and, and that child being an infant for two, four, six, eight years. That's not what you want. You want to see growth and, and that's what Jesus wants to see in each and every one of us. And so if you haven't been here for the last two weeks, that's not making a whole lot of sense to you and especially these, these mannequins up here. You're like, what in the world is going on with those? So I need to back up and I need to just recap a little bit and kind of share with you these four hikers and then talk about how they correspond to the stages of spiritual growth that we see in the New Testament. And so let me just share with you uh, our hikers today. First one clear over here is what we refer to as a day hiker. And this is the first one. So the spiritual growth is gonna go from your left to right. And in this first stage, we see a day hiker. This is somebody uh, that shows up to hike with you and they've never been hiking before in their life. And so they're just checking it out. They show up. Maybe they're wearing flip-flops. Uh, maybe they have a little string backpack. I don't know. Maybe they just brought their phone, but they didn't bring any water. And the idea is they're not really sure what they're doing. They're just kind of checking it out. And they're not ready for a long hike. They're just, they're going to go out a little bit and then they're going to turn around and come back because if they go out too far, they might not find their way back. Or if a storm moves in, they're going to get caught in the storm and they have nothing to protect them. There's no way they're going to be able to last overnight in some of the storms that hit us here in Colorado. Uh, the next stage is what we call a backpacker. And the backpacker is somebody who's been hiking for a while. Like they're, they've just gotten into the sport. They love it. They're enjoying it. They're passionate about it. They can't wait to, to hike. They're doing studies on what trail they want to take next. And, and they're buying equipment like they got the right shoes. They might even buy a special backpack. They might even buy like an emergency kit just in case something were to happen. Emergency blanket. That way, if they do get stuck out there in the storm, they can hunker down. They can pull out their blanket and they can take care of themselves and they can last through the night if they need to. Maybe a, even an MRE. You know, they get something to eat if they get stuck out in the storm. Now, the, the idea behind this is all of the stuff in their backpack is for them. They're just learning. They're just starting the journey. They're just starting to learn how to hike. And so that's our backpacker. Next, clear over here, we have a guide. And a guide is somebody who's been there, done that. They've been up and down the trail uh, enough that they, they know the terrain. Uh, they've got a larger backpack. They're more equipped. They're more experienced. And, and they are able to hike the path. They know where to go, where not to go. They know the pitfalls. And so they're actually not just hiking by themselves, but they're guiding others. They might have four or five, six people that they're taking on the hike with them. And their backpack is carrying enough stuff in it that uh, not only could they take care of themselves if a storm were to hit, but they could also help others survive the storm. Uh, they could set up a tent, set up camp, or, or maybe even uh, you know, provide blankets for everybody so they could stay warm through the night just to get them out of the emergency situation. This is a guide uh, in, in this hiker series. The next one is uh, kind of an odd name if you haven't heard it before. It's called a Sherpa. If you don't know what a Sherpa is, it comes from Nepal, and it refers to the people that they use to carry all the equipment up and down Mount Everest. A lot of people go and they hike Mount Everest, and in order to summit uh, Everest, uh, there's so much equipment needed. They have these, these people who will actually pack tons of weight on their back, and they take it from camp to camp, and what's interesting is none of it's really for them. 
It's food and it's tents and it's climbing uh, supplies and it's oxygen tanks and it's all these other things to help other people summit. And what I love about it is the Sherpas worked all year long and these people are summiting, they're up there taking selfies, you know, hey, I, I made it to the summit and you never see a picture of a Sherpa with them. But yet, every one of them would tell you that if it wasn't for the Sherpas, there's no way they could have made it to the summit. And these are our four hikers. And so how does it correspond with the four stages that we see spelled out in the New Testament when it comes to spiritual growth? Well, let me go back over to the day hiker and tell you the day hiker actually corresponds to what we would say is a seeker. This would be somebody who is just looking into the faith. It's somebody who, um, they're not sure, you know, what this is all about. They're checking into truth. They're just searching for truth. Is there really a God? Is, is Jesus real? Did he really go to the cross and die for me, right? And so they're looking into things. And maybe this is where you're at. Uh, maybe in this moment, you would call yourself a day hiker. You're a seeker. You're just checking in into um, church and, and trying to find some truth and some foundation for your life. And, and maybe it's something's happened in your life and you found yourself just kind of, what is life all about? And that's why you're here this morning. You would fall under this category of seeking truth. Now, what we talked about a few weeks ago is that Jesus has something to say to every one of these backpackers. And what Jesus would say to this backpacker is come and see. Come and see. Just come check it out. Just come be with me. Come see if what I said is true. Uh, The next one is a backpacker. And the backpacker relates to a believer. And if you notice, we stuck a reborn t-shirt on him. It's our baptism shirt. It's somebody who uh, went from day hiker to backpacker. They, They... came in, they sought truth, they were reading through the scriptures, they came face to face with Jesus, and they're like, hey, he is who he says he is. He's the Messiah, he's the Lord and Savior, and so I believe in him. They receive Christ, they've been baptized, and now they're starting this hiking, right? They're just, they're getting after it. They're jumping into the word of God. They're spending time in prayer. They're meeting with their life group and their Bible study group, and they're really growing in their faith, but the idea is in the stage, it's about us. We're trying to, we're trying to get a firm foundation. We're trying to grow. We're trying to learn how to walk with Christ. And what Jesus would say to the believer is, follow me. Just follow me. Just stay with me. Stay on my heels, and you're going to learn. And so that's what we want to encourage you to do. If this is you, if you're a believer this morning, you're in that that backpacker stage, just keep chasing Jesus. Third, we have our guide. And our guide would actually be called, uh, in the spiritual stage, I think he'd be called a worker. Why? Because he's been been through it several times. He's, He's got a firm foundation. She's really learning how to grow and, and to the point to where she's actually helping other people grow. They're, they're going from the person who's asking all the questions to now the person that like has some of the questions for people. And so they can help other people navigate the terrain. Uh, they, they can help themselves grow, but not just themselves, but some other people. And, and maybe they're starting to uh, work with other people, leading them to Christ, pointing them to Christ through relationships. And so this is our guide. And what Jesus would say to the guide is, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to teach you how to reach the world around you and have an impact in the world around you for the kingdom of God. Fourthly, the Sherpa, we would say that this, as it relates to a spiritual stage, would be the disciple maker. Sherpas are amazing because these are the people that it doesn't matter what they say, what they do. It just seems like Jesus is moving through them all the time. Like, and many of you, maybe you've moved through a couple of these stages and you can look back and you can say, if it wasn't for so-and-so who was a Sherpa, 
I wouldn't be here today. Like, they're the ones that directed me. There was just something about them that was so attractive. I, I knew that they had a good foundation. I knew that they knew Jesus Christ just by the way that they lived their life. And so I was always looking to them to lead and guide me. And, and it, it's these Sherpas that we have in our lives that have such an impact. But we call them disciple makers because they are constantly discipling the world around them, the people around them. Everybody in their life uh, is elevated and pointed toward Jesus because of who they are. That's just who they are. And what Jesus would say to the Sherpas is go and make fruit. Go and make fruit. And this is what they do. They, they do it in everything that they do. They do it at work. They do it in their family. It's just who they are. Their entire life is all about producing fruit in the kingdom. So which stage are you at? Which hiker are you? Uh, if you're not sure, I want to point your attention to the growth continuum cards on your chairs. You can grab those and take a look at them. If you don't get one, don't worry about it. We got plenty of extras and there's some in the information booth. We'll make sure you get one. But there's four cards to this pack. And depending on which one you identify with, whether it's the day hiker or the guide or whichever one, you can find your card. And I want you to read over it. It'll help you to identify, yes, this is truly the stage that I'm in. But it'll also give you steps that you can take to continue to grow in your faith. Because again, we don't want you to plateau. We don't want you to stop. We want you to keep growing. So speaking of that, here's what I want to do today. I want us to take a look at these four hikers. And I want to give you the best, greatest, most amazing step that you can take from moving from one hiker to the next or one stage of spiritual growth to the next. This is the biggest step that you can take if you're a day hiker to make it to a backpacker, if you're a backpacker to make it to a guide and so on. And so uh, let's take a look at that. I'm gonna go back and use the passages that we used in that first week when we talked about the life of Peter because we see this movement. We see all of these stages in the life of Peter in scripture. And so today, uh, I wanna start clear over here as a day hiker. And I want to go back to Luke chapter 5. And in Luke chapter 5, we see where Jesus is preaching to a large crowd. He's walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And, and while he's walking, it's early in the morning, he sees a couple of boats. Now, these guys had been out fishing all night long. They hadn't caught anything. They came into the shore and they're getting their nets, you know, they're just cleaning out their nets and getting ready. And I, I imagine to go home, but Jesus has a different plan. He's walking along and he sees Simon, who's the owner of one of the boats, and he says, hey, could you do me a favor? I, I want to jump in your boat, and I'm teaching to all these people, and if you could push me back away from the shore, I could continue to teach them. And what he's doing is actually pretty amazing because he's using nature as an amphitheater, right? Like he's talking as he's standing in this boat, and the water is reflecting his voice, and so everybody on the shore could hear what he's saying. And so uh, this is what he does. And so Simon agrees, and they push away from the shore. Jesus teaches, and the whole time, here's the other thing I think is fascinating about it, is Simon is sitting in the boat listening to, to Jesus teach. So he teaches the crowd. And then when he gets done, he turns to Simon, and he says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and push out to deeper water, and I want you to cast your nets out for a catch. Now, I love it because Simon could have said, look, um, I don't tell you how to do your job. Don't tell me how to do mine, right? He could have said, look, I'm the fisherman here. We've been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. And you're telling me to push out deeper water and catch something? Seriously? But he doesn't do that. And I think some of it is because Simon's been sitting there listening to this man. He knows there's something different about him. And what he says is, look, if you say so, I'll do it. And so they push out, they drop down their nets, and it says that they can't even pull the, the number of fish in. There's so much fish in the net. They call to their friends on the shore in the other boat. They come all the way out. They start loading fish, and by the time it's all done, both boats are on the verge of sinking. They've got so much fish in both of them. And then, this is what happens in verse 8. 
When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they'd caught as were the others with him. Now, it wasn't because of the number of fish. That's not why in this moment he drops to his knees and says, and I love his response, oh Lord, leave me. I'm a sinful man, right? But see, Peter in this moment, I think, realizes that Jesus is who he says he is. He's been hearing about him. He's heard about the miracles. He sees him on the shore teaching. He gets to hear some of the teaching. He pushes out. And then he sees this miracle performed. And in this moment, he decides for himself who Jesus is. And by the way, every one of us has to do this on an individual level. You have to decide for yourself who Jesus is. And we'll see that again in the next passage. But we have to decide. And in this moment, Peter decides. And I think he moves from a day hiker to a backpacker. Because in order to move from a day hiker to a backpacker, from a seeker to a believer, it requires belief. You have to place your belief in Jesus Christ. We have to come to this place where we decide for ourselves who Jesus is. And here's what's amazing, is in this one verse, we get an impression that not only do we come face to face with Jesus and we realize who he is, but we also realize who we are in light of who Jesus is. You realize his response was to drop to his knees Lord, leave me, like get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Compared to you, I have nothing, I'm, I'm done. It reminds me of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six where he gets a glimpse of, of the throne room of, of God and, and the angels and in that moment, what does he say? He says, it's all over, I'm doomed. He says, I, I'm, a, I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people of filthy lips and he's like, I'm done, it's over. When we get a true glimpse of who God is, we get a glimpse of who we are in light of him. And guess what? We are sinful. We're broken. And you need to know this because this world teaches us that we are basically good, that we're good people. Any parent of a two-year-old can tell you that's a lie. Right on? Because nobody had to teach us how to sin. We had to be taught how to do right. We are not basically good. We're, we're basically sinful. We're sinful in nature. And when we come face to face with Jesus, that, that light is shed on that dark area of our life and we realize who we truly are, that we are lost without him, that there is nothing that we can do. We cannot save ourselves. If we could have saved ourselves, there would have been no reason for God to send his son Jesus to die for us, right on? And yet that's what God did. We cannot save ourselves. Turn over to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, go to verses 15 through 18. When we move from day hiker to backpacker, it requires belief. We believe in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you what? When you believed. When you believed. And then it goes on to say, you can't take credit for, the, for this. It's a gift from God. But you were saved by his grace when you believed in Jesus Christ. Have you taken that step? If you're one of those that identify today as a day hiker or a seeker, and you're here listening to this today, I want you to know God wants a relationship with you. He loves you. He gave his life for you. And he wants you to believe in him. Don't leave here today without taking that step and moving from day hiker to believer. This is a big, big step. Because the reality is you have a God who loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. So that if you believe in him, you won't perish, but you'll have eternal life. John three sixteen. It says that it requires the step of belief for us to move from day hiker to backpacker. Now, the next step comes here in Matthew. Uh, Jesus is actually just 
He's just having a conversation with his disciples. Isn't it amazing how in just everyday life, how God can just show up and intersect your life? I just love that about God. And God is just walking along the or Jesus is walking along the road with his disciples and he's just having a conversation. And he asks them a question. He says, who do, who do people say that I am? And the disciples begin shooting out answers. They're like, you know, some people think that you're like John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And it's amazing how God can take that and he can just kind of twist it around, right? He just flips it on them. And he asks this question in verse 15. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Um, as I said before, this is a question for every one of us. You can't, you can't have this question answered for you by somebody else. You have to, in your own heart and mind, you have to answer this question for yourself. Who do you say that Jesus is? And I love the way C.S. Lewis said it. He said, you have three options. That's it. You either have to say that Jesus is a lunatic or that he's a liar or that he's Lord. Those are your only three options. But you have to answer the question for yourself. Who do you say that I am? I love Simon Peter because he just shoots off. He just says, uh, uh, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He answers the question boldly, makes the statement. And then it goes on to say, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And we've talked before about how uh, Jesus isn't saying, look on Peter, this man, I'm going to build my church. That's not what he's saying. What did Peter do? Peter made a declaration of faith. You are who you say you are. You are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And what God says is that is solid. It's, it's going to be upon people like that, people that gather together, communities of believers, churches that declare who Jesus is. That's how I'm going to change the world. That's how I'm going to grow my kingdom. I'm going to build my church. And I love what he says, because not even the powers of hell will conquer it. We want to be that type of church? We've got to grow. We've got to grow. I want to be that church that God can use to change our communities, our families, our, our, our state and our country. But it starts here with us growing, taking these steps to become more and more like Jesus. Peter's been following Jesus for a while now. From the time that he stepped out of that boat and he said, you know, uh, bow down before Jesus, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. From that moment, it's been a while. He's been following Jesus, he's been learning, he's been asking questions, he's been, he's been discipled by Jesus, he's watched Jesus heal and do miracles and... Um, in this moment when Jesus says, who do you say I am? He doesn't hesitate. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Uh, you know what has happened? He's developed a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the only way that he's able to make the statement. Pa Peter goes from backpacker to guide because he's had a relationship with Jesus. See, day hiker, if you're going from day hiker to backpacker, it takes belief. But this jump from backpacker to guide is big because it requires a relationship. A relationship with Jesus Christ. A close relationship, one that you're walking with every day. This is why our mission statement says, pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. And our first one is up with God daily. Up with God daily. This is how we're gonna grow, is forming this relationship with Jesus Christ. Because over here we believe, but over here we trust and you can only trust when you're in a loving relationship. Um, do you know the difference between believing and trusting? 
Have you, have you seen these tightrope walkers, these crazy people that walk on cable, like really extreme heights? Have you seen them? They're nuts, right? So let's say we've got a tightrope uh, strung across the Grand Canyon, all right? And there's a tightrope walker, and, and he's walked across there, and he comes back and he asks you, do you believe that I can walk back across there? And you go, yeah, I believe, right? That's easy to believe in. You've seen him do it once, and guess what? Uh, you have no skin in the game. What do you care, right? Yeah, I believe you can do it. But then he, he grabs a wheelbarrow and he puts it on the rope and he's like, okay, uh, do you believe I can walk across while pushing this wheelbarrow? You go, yeah, I believe you can do that. And then he says, um, I want you to get in the wheelbarrow. That's the difference in belief and trust. It's a big jump, right? But this is where I want to see you go. I want to see you move from belief, just believing in Jesus, to trusting in Jesus. Remember we were talking about the storms of life, these backpackers, they, they can survive it, and sometimes they can't. They, they, they have to have enough in their backpack to be able to survive. See, when you get to this stage, when you're in the stage of guide, uh, of worker, you've got that foundation, you've got that relationship with Jesus because it requires this relationship. When you have that type of relationship and you have that kind of trust built up, then it doesn't matter what happens in life. You're not going to lose your faith. Why? Because you trust in Jesus it doesn't matter how bad the storm gets. It doesn't matter if it's a loss of a family member. It doesn't, mass, it doesn't matter if it's a report from a doctor that you weren't expecting. You can survive those storms because you've been in relationship with Jesus. You know who he is. And that trust is built to that level. To move from a backpacker to a guide, it takes more than belief. You have to go from head knowledge to heart knowledge. You, you have to go from, from just knowing about Jesus to really knowing Jesus. And there's a big difference in that. And the reason I'm pushing this this morning, because I, I believe that for a lot of Christians, we're still stuck in this stage over here. Maybe we've been in that stage for 40 years and we haven't, we haven't grown. We haven't moved from belief to relationship so we can build up that trust. We haven't done that. And, and the problem with that is over in this stage, we fill our heads full of scripture, but we've never allowed it to get to our heart. In one chapter earlier, in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is talking to a group of, of religious leaders. They're called the Pharisees. And he says in that moment, he says, look, you people honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You know what he's saying? He's like, you learn the scriptures, it's in your head, but it never made it to your heart. You don't trust. You say you believe, but you don't trust. There's a big difference in this step. But it all comes through relationship. Notice in this story, too, that Peter Peter uses an amazing word. Who do you say that I am? And he says, you're the Messiah. You know what Messiah means? Messiah means you're the anointed one. You're the one sent by God to save us from our sins. You're the savior. And in that moment, what he's saying is, look, I know who you are, and that helps me to know who I am. The fact that I can't save myself. I need you. You are Lord. Uh, a little bit later, Jesus would go on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, we need to foster an up relationship to be able to move from backpacker to guide. Uh, turn over to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. Let me ask those of you that feel like you're in the backpacker or the guide, have you taken that step? Have you taken that step to foster that up relationship, to build that trust in that relationship? See, to move from backpacker to guide, you've got to get serious about your up relationship. It, it has to become a way of life for you, fostering that up relationship every day because it's more than just a Sunday thing. 
It's more than just coming in here and taking a seat and having some coffee, right? Worshiping some, you know, some songs and hearing me talk for a little bit. It's a lot more than that. You've got to make it a part of your life. You've got to dive into scripture. You've got to spend time in prayer talking to, to make, uh, forming a relationship with this God who loves you and who gave himself up for you. Peter, I, I think, took that step in that moment. He said, you're the Messiah. I know I can't save myself. I need you. You're my savior. And I'll follow you anywhere. But I think Peter takes a whole nother step in John chapter 21. Uh, there, there's this great story in there. And, and from the time of him making the statement, you're the Messiah, to what we're going to read in John 21, a lot has happened. Uh, Jesus has been arrested. He was drugged in under the cover of dark, put on trial. They brought in false witnesses against him. Peter goes to check things out. And while he's in the courtyard, while this trial is going on, he denies to know to, to know Christ three times that he runs in shame. Jesus is crucified. He's placed in a tomb. He rose again three days later and then he begins to appear to his disciples and all of his followers. And in this moment, in John chapter 21, we find the disciples, they've gone back to fishing. They're in a boat. They've been in a boat all night long and they haven't caught anything. It's very reminiscent of what we read in Luke chapter five, isn't it? And yet in the morning, as the sun starts to come up, they see this figure on the shore. They're not sure who it is. And, and finally the figure speaks to him and he says, hey, have you caught anything? And they're like, no, haven't caught anything yet. And this, this guy on the shore says, look, I want you to take your nets and cast them on the right side of the boat. And I don't know why, but they do it, right? They just do it. They throw them on the right side. And as soon as they do, they can't get the nets in because they're so full of fish. And in this moment, I think Peter remembers he remembers that first encounter that he had with Jesus. He remembers him going, hey, go out deeper and cast your nets. He remembers those two boats being full of fish. And in that moment, he knows who's standing on the shore. And what I love about it is he doesn't wait for them to get to shore. He just bails out and he swims all the way to the shore to be with Jesus. And, and there's this difference between what we see in the first one and the second one. See, in the first one, he sees Jesus. He's, he's clear over here as a day hiker. And what does he say? He gets on his knees and he says, get away from me, I'm sinful, right? But now he's clear over here, he's a guide. And you know what happens? He realizes it's Jesus and instead of pushing him away, he runs to him. And he gets out of the boat and he just swims to Jesus. Well, pretty soon the disciples, they make it to the shore. They've got all the fish and they bring the shore up. They have breakfast together. And in the middle of this entire scene, Jesus sparks up a conversation with Simon. And this is what he says in verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. And take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And if you're wondering why he asked this three times, we talked about it here so many times, it's, it's one for every time that he denied knowing him. Jesus is given an opportunity to redeem himself. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I love this interaction. The fact that Jesus comes back for Peter, even though Peter denied knowing him, and it's, it's almost like he feels broken, useless, I blew it, and he's, and he's gone back to fishing. Jesus comes back for Peter. He comes back to pull him back. And there's two parts of this interaction I love. The first part is, do you love me? You know what that is? Uh, that, that signifies a relationship. Peter, do you love me? You still want this relationship? 
Uh, we talked about how that's needed to move from backpacker to guide. To get to a guide, you have to learn how to love Jesus. And once we love Jesus, once we move into that guide, the next step that Jesus has for us, he says, look, I want you to feed my sheep. Do you know what that means? Because that's kind of an odd statement for us because most of us don't raise sheep today, right? But he said, feed my sheep. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look, I want you to pour your lives out for the people around you. Pour your lives out for the world around you. Commit yourself to my kingdom, to my cause. To move from a day hiker to a backpacker, it requires belief. You gotta have belief to get there. But to get from a backpacker to a guide, you gotta have a relationship. You gotta have a relationship to build that trust. But see, what's interesting is to get from a guide to a Sherpa, it requires total surrender. Total surrender. And can I just say it this way? You can only totally surrender something in your life once you love it enough. You, you only surrender your life to something that you love enough to give your life to. That's it. Some of you know this because you're married. Like you were living your life, you were single and you had your own plan, your own desires, your own will, your own dreams and then you met somebody and you fell in love with them and you gave all that up. You gave up your own dreams to, to find shared dreams. You gave up your own will to, to combine your wills. You, you gave up your own desires to, to come together and find shared wills and desires. See, that's how marriage works. You only surrender your life once you love something enough. It's the only way that you can surrender. And that's exactly what Peter does. He surrenders his life totally to the cause of Christ. How do I know that? Because after this event, there's a whole new Peter on the scene. He's different. He's changed. He's bold. Like he goes out, he's preaching the gospel. We see in early Acts, he preaches such an amazing message. Thousands are baptized into the church that day. It doesn't matter what people are saying about him. It doesn't matter every time they arrest him or they beat him. He continues to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We find him at one point sitting in a prison, worshiping God while he's in prison. He's reached that Sherpa stage. Do you realize that 30 years later, he would actually give his life for the cause. He would become a martyr for the faith. Uh, tradition says that he was crucified upside down because he didn't feel himself worthy to be crucified in the same manner as Christ. That only happens when you're totally surrendered to something and you can only totally surrender to something that you love enough to dedicate your life to it. Sherpas are totally surrendered. Their life, their will, control, desires, everything is surrendered. Have you taken that step? Is that you? Does that describe you today? I wanna challenge you. If you're in that place and, and you wanna take that step, like you feel the Holy Spirit pulling you in that direction, I wanna challenge you to pray a prayer of surrender. God, I, wanna, I want to totally surrender to you, everything. And here's the other part of that prayer I would give you. God, would through your Holy Spirit, would you convict me of the areas I have not surrendered? Is it easy? No. It's tough. Is it worth it? Oh, yeah. Every minute of it. Totally surrendering your life is the only way that you're going to make it to the stage of Sherpa. Have you taken that step? Now, this gives you these steps as we move through this. And, and over the last few weeks, we've gotten a few questions, and I just want to answer it with a couple of side points that I think will help you as you move through these stages. The first one that I want to give you, and again, these are just side points, is that spiritual maturity has nothing to do with your occupation. We're getting a lot of questions about job and what you do for a living and pastors, right? And, and can I just say, as a pastor, 
This does not mean that, that we're at any stage. Like you could, you could see a pastor on the stage anywhere from a backpacker all the way to a Sherpa. It doesn't mean that, that the occupation means that you're a Sherpa. It has nothing to do with your occupation. Do you know the greatest Sherpa that I've ever known in my life uh, was an HVAC repairman? Totally surrendered to Christ. Has nothing to do with your occupation. Uh, it does take a little time though. Spiritual maturity takes time, but here's what I love about it, but it's not dependent upon time. I, I shared it with you a little bit early last week just because I've gotten so many questions about it. I want to make sure that you're aware of it. Let me reiterate it today. Uh, the idea is it does take a little bit of time, right? Because we just saw in the life of Peter, it took three to four years for him to go through all these stages. But keep in mind, he got to walk with Jesus, right? He, a little bit of advantage over us, right? Like, like he got to see the miracles. He got to hear Jesus teach. He, he got to see him crucified and, and the resurrection. He got to see all of that. Now for you and me, um, it might take a little while to grow, to go through these four stages. But here's what I love. It's not dependent upon time. Spiritual maturity has more to do, get this, with obedience than it does with time. You want to grow? You want to, you want to take these steps? Be obedient to what you know the Spirit is calling you to do today. That's how you grow. I've seen some amazing growth in people in a short amount of time. You know why? Uh, not because they were better equipped than you or, or because, I don't know, they had the right combination. It's because they were obedient. Their heart was right. They said, God, whatever you want. And they kept taking steps and they just matured so fast. It does take a little bit of time, but it's more dependent upon obedience than it is time. So I want, to take, I want you to take next steps today. I want, I want you to determine what your next step is. Um, let me just give you an example of this real quick. Um, my wife and I, we have some very close friends. And uh, husband and wife, they got a couple of kids, and kids are now grown up. But when, uh, when the kids were younger, um, they, they were Sherpas. Like, they were that model couple that you see in the frames in Walmart, you know? Uh, like, he was a man's man, just burly dude, and he was in construction. His wife was this tall, just beautiful woman. But they, their hearts were, were surrendered to God. And we, we saw this through them their whole life. It was just amazing. They had such an impact on us. And, and we saw them um, pick up their family. And they moved up north and here in Colorado to a, a town up there. And uh, they bought this massive home, beautiful home. Um, moved into it. And uh, this friend of ours, she, she, because he was in construction, they were doing very well she didn't have to work. But she obviously couldn't think of herself just staying at home, so she's like, you know, I wanna do something. Um, I'm investing in my kids, and maybe what I could do is get involved at the school so I get to know my, my kids' friends. That's what I wanna do. And so she decides, this, this tall, beautiful woman says, I'm gonna be a bus driver. And she goes down, she gets her CDL, and she starts driving a bus route for the school. She gets to know her kids' friends. And, and here's what's great about it. In this moment, she's driving this bus, and this route takes her through one of the poorest areas of town. And, and it's a trailer park, and she said she gets to know the kids and the, the families in there. And she starts to realize that, man, a lot of these kids, they don't have what they need. Like, they're really struggling. And, and she gets convicted, like we're living in this big home, we're doing really well, and yet I'm, I'm interacting with these kids that just don't have a whole lot. She started realizing, look, when I drop these kids off, uh, many times they're going home to empty trailers. Whether it's a single mom or both parents are working or whatever it is, they're going home and they're just by themselves in these trailers. And then she realized, hey, a lot of them are not eating or, or they're not eating well during the weekend when I pick them up on Monday. 
And so she goes home and she has a conversation with her husband and she's like, I'm broken over this. I don't know what to do. So they begin to pray about it. You know what they end up doing, these two Sherpas? They sell their house and they bought a trailer in that park. And she started a ministry, ministering to these kids in that trailer park. She would have tutoring programs. She would feed them when they'd get off the bus. She had a whole thing where she'd feed all the kids. And she developed a relationship with these kids and with their parents. And they've had such a kingdom impact, you wouldn't believe the change that's happened. Why? Because they're Sherpas. Because they've moved through these these stages of spiritual maturity to where they're in a place where God can do what he wants in and through them. That's how the world's gonna get changed. If we grow spiritually to a place where we are listening to the Holy Spirit and we're in tune with what he wants and we follow him no matter where he leads us. Uh, If you wanna take that step of, of day hiker to backpacker, from, from a seeker to a believer, you gotta, you gotta believe, you gotta believe. If you wanna take that step from being a backpacker, which is a believer, to a guide, to become a worker, you gotta, you gotta develop that relationship with Jesus Christ, so much so that you trust him with everything. And if you wanna move from a guide, a worker, to a, a Sherpa, a disciple maker, then you've got to totally surrender everything to him. This is the only way it works. Have you experienced these transitions? Have you taken any of these steps? I wanna encourage you today, find out where it is that you're at and take those steps because spiritual maturity starts with a belief in Jesus and it it leads to fostering a relationship with him and it eventually, ultimately leads us to this place where we totally surrender our lives to him. Where are you at and what's your next step? Today, I wanna give you some time to pray over that and think through that. Uh, we're gonna move into a time of communion. So the band is gonna come out and I'm gonna ask you if you would um, just to pay attention real quick because there's some instruction I wanna give you on this. We're gonna do this differently today. I'm gonna ask our elders to go ahead and come up to the tables and they're gonna serve communion today. So as you, as you get up, you're gonna go to the back of the room You're gonna go around the walls and you're gonna come down the walls and they're gonna serve you as you go by. And and as you go by, they're gonna have something to say to you. And I want you to take the bread from them and I want you to eat it. I want you to go to the juice. They have something else to say to you and I want you to take the juice. And then after that, I want you to come back to your seat. And you don't have to do it right now. You got a little time. So whenever you feel led, you can get up and go and go through uh, the communion lines. But here's what I want you to focus on. Romans 5, 8. We're talking about steps today, steps that you need to take to become more like Christ, right? Here's the point I want you to dwell on today as we take communion. Do you realize that you have a God that is so amazing, so incredible, that loved you so much that he took the step toward you before you ever stepped toward him? Uh, Romans 5, 8. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. That's the gospel message, you know that, right? But maybe you've never really focused on this last phrase, while we were still sinners. Before you ever thought of Jesus, before you ever took a step toward him, he already went to the cross for you. He paid for your sins. And he just stands there and he holds it and he says, come to me, believe in me, trust in me. Today, as you take communion, I want you to just praise God that you have a God who took a step toward you before you ever took one to him. Um, Would you go ahead and stand with us? And and like I said, we're gonna spend some time in communion. You can exit out toward the back and around. And then we're gonna just turn it over to, to the band. They're gonna lead us in some songs. Here's what I would also encourage you to do. 
you want to take um, some time to pray with each other, you can do that. Spend some time um, praying about where you're at and what your next step is. Uh, we're just going to release you to, to move about the room. If you need a gluten-free option, it's at the back of the room. If you are not able to stand or come forward, if you just raise your hand, we'll bring communion to you today. Is that a deal? All right. Guys, let's spend some time in communion. Let me pray for us real quick. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now in this moment of reflection, of communion, dwelling upon the fact that you loved us first. God, we thank you for loving us, for sending your son, for the sacrifice that was made at the cross. I pray that we never take that for granted. And today, Lord, as we humble ourselves and come to you, as we take the bread and the juice that represents your body that was broken for us for the forgiveness of sins, and as we take that juice that represents your blood that was spilled at the cross so that we might have a relationship with you, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us, convict us, show, it is what, uh, show us what it is that we need to do to partner with your Holy Spirit in the work that he's doing, to grow us up in you. God, I pray that this is just building us to be the church that you're gonna use for many years to change lives, to transform relationships, to save people that are far from you. God, it starts right now as we come to you and we remember the cross. Lord, we, we praise you for all these things. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said,